Is the concept of a pre-tribulation rapture a genuine biblical hope, or is it wishful fantasy? Some say there is not one verse in the Bible that sustains it. Others claim that the concept is too new to be true. What about it? Is it a myth or a reality? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I are delighted to have once again this week a very special guest and friend, Nathan. Gary Frazier. Gary, glad Hi, to have Doc. you. Good to see you. Gary is the head of a ministry called Worldwide Missions, which is located in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, Gary, I just want to jump right into our topic this week, and it has to do with the book you've written called It Could Happen Tomorrow. First of all, what is that talking about when it what is it? Well, there, there are, first of all, the world stage, God is in the process right now of setting the world stage for His soon return. And, uh, the, and the, the prophecies contained in the Word of God that are screaming that the hour is late and soon as Jesus is going to come, actually those things begin with the departure of the bride in this event that you referred to a moment ago as the rapture of the church. So the it could happen, first it starts with the rapture and then we see... Okay, let's, let's just pause events. right there. Let's assume there's some people watching, because I know there are, who don't even have any idea what you mean by the word rapture. So what are we talking about when we talk about rapture? Well, I like to use the phrase, uh, Dr. Reagan, that uh, it's the coming of Christ for the saints. And I think people who are, are familiar with the Word of God can remember that that last night of Jesus' life on the earth prior to the cross, it's recorded there in John chapter 14. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If not, so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Or, that or, is the blessed hope that the Christ who was going to die, be buried, who raised again, who's going to ascend in heaven, was one day going to call his bride up to meet him in the air and take us to the Father's house. Okay, but now are you talking about the second coming or are you Absolutely talking about not. an event separate no. apart from the second coming? In fact, there's a lot of confusion in the minds of a lot of folks who just have a vague general awareness of Scripture. Plus they listen to a preacher sometimes who doesn't really, he talks about the coming of Jesus but doesn't clarify what he's talking yes. about. This book clearly teaches that there are going to be two comings of Christ yet to take place. There's going to be one when Jesus makes good on his promise to get his bride to take her to the okay. Father's house. Okay. That then will be the precursor or pre prelude, if you please, to the beginning of the most seven horrific years in the world called the tribulation period. That will then follow when this time Jesus comes again, not to claim his bride, but rather to come back with his bride. And that is the second coming. The second coming of Jesus is when he physically, visibly returns. The, every eye, Revelation 1 7, will see him. His foot will touch the Mount of Olives. He's going to be, it's the literal, physical return of Christ. Okay. Gary, I that like. Is uniquely uh, different from the coming of Christ for the saints. I think you're referring particularly to 1 Thessalonians 4 17, right? After right. that, we who are alive, still alive and are left, will be caught up, raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Absolutely. Lord in the air, right? And so you know, the rapture word is not in there, but. 
the if you go back to the Greek, which is what harpezo, and yeah. then the Latin, which is rapio, yeah. transliterate it. Rapture, caught up. It's just easier to say rapture than caught up. All and the by time. the way, Nathan, you know this, yeah. and you do as well, Doc. There are seven different raptures in the Bible. Hmm. So this is not some kind of a new concept or new no, idea. No. What, what are some of them? Well, we obviously have, of course, Elijah's yeah. caught up in a whirlwind. Right. We, uh-huh. yeah. Rapture, so, caught up. Uh, absolutely. Enoch before him. The, the Enoch, he walked with God and he was not for God took him. Revelation 11, two witnesses are raptured up. So there are seven different unique raptures in the scripture where these people are translated, transported, if you please, from earth into the presence of God. But what's so incredible about this thing is, think about this for a moment. If I were the devil, okay, then my ploy would be what would be the one biblical truth apart from salvation by grace through faith because that's been the first battleground because Satan realized what the problem there was so he instituted works and gave us religion instead of relationship. But having said that, the second most attacked area of Scripture, of course, is is if I can get people confused about the coming of Jesus, then I can do something that's vital. And that is I can rob the sense of urgency from their life. I can create confusion. I can make them think that life will just kind of go on forever. At some point in time we're going to die. You just get totally indifferent and disconnected from the reality that Christ could come at any moment. And I will tell you that through the years as a former pastor and having been on the road, I've preached in churches almost every week around the country and have now for 30 years, I will tell you that Satan has done an incredible job of stealing urgency, robbing the body of Christ with a sense of urgency because he's confused this issue. Yeah. And that's why I'm thrilled that you're taking on and you're, on your program. You frequently talk about this because it's, it's something that the body of Christ needs to be crystal clear on. Okay, so now let me just summarize for a moment what you've said here. You're saying that the return of the Lord is going to be in two stages. Uh, first is going to be an appearing in the heaven mm-hmm. for His church, for His bride, the bridegroom coming for, for the bride. And that is in uh, the Thessalonian letter. Thessalonians 4. And then the other is in Revelation 19, and that's the second coming, some seven years later at mm-hmm. the end of the tribulation. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we come to, and, and I, I don't think anyone could, I don't know how anyone could argue that, that those are not two separate events. They, they just don't have anything in common. I mean, in the first one, Jesus doesn't come to earth. In the second coming, he comes to earth. First one, he comes for his bride. He returns with his bride in the, in, at the end. And we could go on and on. But now we come to the crucial issue, and that is the timing of the rapture. Mm-hmm. You take the position that the rapture is going to occur before the tribulation begins. There are others who say, no, it's going to be in the tribulation middle or near the end, or it's going to be all just one event at the end. Right. Why do you take the position of a pre-tribulation rapture? Great question. But before I answer that, let me also say that if our viewers will go to my website at GaryFraser.com, they can get a listing whereby we've got them side by side, okay. rapture passages of Scripture versus second coming passages. We also have the 15 differences between the rapture and the second coming. And that would be very helpful for oh, people to, yeah. to now, side Again, by what side is the website? It's GaryFraser.com. Okay, and they can download uh, that free of choice? Absolutely free. Okay. And they can have that and it will help them. Now, having said that, why is it that there is this argument that the church is going to go through the tribulation. And that's... Because some people are really looking lot. forward oh, to that. they it's... seem to be... Yeah, they've got this suffering mentality. Yeah. But let me explain. Die for Christ. Get yeah. my head oh, yeah. chopped yeah. off. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me tell you, that sounds good until yeah. it comes to your house. Yeah, yeah. they call us escapists. Yeah, exactly. I well, just tell them, go to Iran yeah. in the corner, start well, preaching, and, and then and, you can be martyred. And there. here's what's so incredible. This is a very simple solution yes. to what it seems to be a complex question. So here's how I deal with this, okay. and this is why I believe this. As a student of Scripture, 
Uh, I've done my homework, number one. Number two, I don't have an axe to grind with anybody. If, if, if God wants us to go through the tribulation, we'll go through the tribulation. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And here's uh-huh. the way I know that. Jesus, in his most ambiguous, un- unambiguous statement, found in Matthew 24, verse 36, which is his most comprehensive teaching in Matthew 24 concerning end-time events, he uh-huh. says, No man knows the day nor the hour of the coming of Christ. So I think we would all agree, no one knows, okay. not the angels in heaven, even Jesus limited himself. He chose to limit himself with regard to that particular information. Nobody knows. Harold Camping didn't know. <laughs> uh, William Miller in 1844 didn't know. Yeah. Uh, John Hagee doesn't know. Jonathan Kahn doesn't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. So let's be clear about that. Nobody knows. <laughs> now, having said that, we know this, that in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, we know that there is going to be a signing of a peace covenant, and that covenant will begin the final 2,520 days, seven biblical years on the Jewish calendar, 360 days in the year. That will be the, set, the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, nobody really wants to argue. Nobody really argues that point. No, you read about it in Revelation 6 through 19. The only people that argue that point are the ones who, who, who refuse to accept the fact that Daniel wrote, uh, you know, 2,500 years ago. They try to bring that into the first century when we know that that's totally wrong. Now, Mm -hmm. having said that, the tribulation is that seven-year period. Now, if you are a mid-trib person and you think that the church is going to go through the first three and a half years of the tribulation, then just listen to this. What Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 42, Matthew 25, 11, Matthew 25, 13, was watch. Watch what? Watch for his coming. Can I tell you that the only people that are watching for the coming of Jesus are the pre-trib rapture people? That's right. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is looking for the start of the tribulation. They're looking for the Antichrist. They're terrified of the They're mark doing of the beast. Exactly what yeah. Jesus said. Don't do. Don't don't get your don't get your focus off on these other things. Watch for me. I'm the key to this. So here's my point. If you're a mid-trib guy and you're here and you're alive and you see this peace covenant sign, all you've got to do is count 1,260 days and you know the day of the coming of Jesus. You say, well, yeah, but it says the day nor the hour. It's, it's what, it does. It says no man knows the day nor the hour. You would know That's that. right. Exactly. Now, if you're a post-trib guy yeah, you know or also. you're a pre-wrath guy or you are whatever, count the days. Again, why is it that this becomes complicated? Number one... Because pastors have been taught. Listen, let me tell you what. The person in the pew who just takes their Bible and they read this book, they're not confused. They can see <laughs> the difference between the rapture and the second coming. They, they can see that it's to, that they, that they cannot be the same event. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. They also can see that one of those has to do with Christ coming for his bride, the saved. Jesus said right. he gave his, he, he said he, he birthed the church, he gave himself for the church, he's coming for the bride, for the church. That's a total separate thing than when he comes in judgment upon a Christ rejecting, Jew hating world. But the timing of the rapture, and I tell people this all the time, this is really, you're, you're listening to the wrong people. You're listening to Doug Batchelor, you're listening to Irvin Baxter, you're listening to guys who are thoroughly confused. Oh, and yes. I will tell you, they may be nice guys. I mean, I'm sure they are. I'm not trying to be unkind or critical. My wife tells me not to use names, but I can't <laughs> help it. Uh, because the fact is, so, so seeds of confusion are being sown in places where it's not necessary. Okay. Well, I, I tell you, uh, you know, if you have a pre-trib rapture concept, you live looking for Jesus. Any other, you're living looking for the Antichrist.
Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy with our interview of Dr. Gary Frazier, the author of It Could Happen Tomorrow. Now, what we're discussing is arguments against the pre-trib rapture. And Gary, I want to ask the first question. I hear this all the time, especially from pastors who don't study Bible prophecy, is that the pre-trib rapture view is just too new a view to be biblical. What is your response? <laughs> well, well, first, as soon as I get over my laughter about that, <laughs> uh, I'll just simply comment and say that you know, that, that argument simply is totally unfounded, and I want to okay. tell you why. Why do they call it new first? Well, like, how first, new are we yeah, talking well, about all, here? When they use that term, typically they're talking about when Jay and Darby, between, you know, around, uh, you know, 18, 26, 27 or so in that yes. time frame, uh, began, to, began to discover this and began to teach this. But let me quickly say that here's the fallacy of that very idea. Number one, we know as students of the Word of God and world history that that around 400 or so A.D. that the world began to, or actually descended into what we now know as the Dark Ages. And for over Mm -hmm. a thousand years, uh, most people couldn't read. Number one, there was great illiteracy. Number two, the Bibles that existed were chained to the pulpits of the Catholic churches and so forth. The common man did not have access to Scripture. As a result of that, there were great biblical truths that were lost for a thousand years. So that brings us fast forward to the time when a German monk by the name of Martin Luther is sitting there and he's reading the Bible and all of a sudden he gets fixated on a verse. The just shall live by faith. And all of a sudden the light went on in his mind and in his heart and it revolutionized his opinion to the point that he then went to the church in Wittenberg, Germany, nailed 99 theses or articles for debate on the wall wall of the church, on the door rather of the church and challenged the Catholic church to debate these biblical theological issues. Now Mm -hmm. here's my question and my point. Was that passage always in the Bible? (laughs) The answer is yes. Yes. But it was too new to be true. But yes, absolutely. (laughs) And here's the thing. My point is that in a thousand years, many great biblical doctrines and teachings became got lost to the common man. Oh, yes. So when people come up and say, well, the rapture is a new doctrine. No, no, it's not new. It was newly rediscovered or newly discovered as we began to come out of the dark ages into the Protestant Reformation. And people got hold of Bibles well, when and studied the Bible them. and the, they and read the, them the, the Word of God began to be disseminated again across the world. People began to discover these great truths, and that's exactly what happened with this incredible teaching that the earth that Jesus taught. The early the apostles believed it and proclaimed it. The ancient prophets predicted it and prophesied it, and we just rediscovered it in 1826. You know, we really don't know how many. Actually, it's even before that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was known. We really don't know how many people throughout that period of time, the Middle Ages and all, may have come up with the idea because if you spoke out about something that the Catholic Church did not accept, you were burned at the stake and your writings were burned at the stake. Now we're beginning to go back and discover a lot of people who had a concept of a rapture different from the second coming. Sure. In fact, you wrote an article about that, didn't you, Nathan? Well, yeah, there's, I mean, you could go back to the Brother Dulcimo and some yes. of the writings or the Shepherd of Hermes. Right. You can also then go into the 16 and 1700s, the Puritan writings. Oh, and yeah. although they were all over the place, they clearly saw a difference between the rapture and the second coming. They understood a dispensational Absolutely. view of the Bible versus a covenant view. And some of those that we consider to be mid trib raptures today, they really considered pre-trib because they only considered the last three and a half years to be the tribulation. 
Yeah. Well, and, and Darby really just pulled all this together. Yeah. And what about Margaret well, McDonald? I hear all the time this teenage girl, when, Margaret, when Margaret she had McDonald, a vision. Yeah, and, and when Margaret McDonald anything? supposedly had this vision of hers in 1830, absolutely. It, it, it wasn't even a rapture vision. I don't, this no. is something that's been yeah, so skewed. to the rapture. Oh, I know. I want to tell you a funny story about that. Okay. I had been teaching the pre-trib rapture for 10 years when some guy walked up to me and said, do you realize that you're teaching something that came from a demon-possessed 15-year-old girl? I said, well, I had no idea. So I, I had no idea what he was talking about. I go out, I find this book by Dave McPherson, mm-hmm. which he's published six times under six different titles. It's the same book. And, and so I read it. And it's, he says, the whole concept came from a 15-year-old hyper-charismatic demon-possessed girl in the 1830s. And uh, so I read the whole book. And then he says, now her vision is in the appendix. I turned the appendix. I read it. I read it. I must have read it 15 times. I could never find a pre-trib rapture in there. That's because there's not one. I mean, when I say not one, what I mean is that was not her vision. (laughs) But think about this. They always talk about J.N. Darby, 1826, when he was injured and laid up and so forth. They very rarely ever mention that in 1742, Morgan Edwards, who became president of Brown University, wrote about a pre-trib rapture as well. And I mean the real pre-trib rapture. The real pre-trib. And so... Here's my position on this. When I hear people who want to argue about the pre-trip position, my response to this is, listen, l- let me explain something. God always says what He means and means what He, what he says. He has one clear teaching on everything. There's one clear doctrine of, of Bible of, of uh, salvation. Mm-hmm. There's one clear understanding of, of a prof- pro- a biblical prophecy in its, you know, in its broader sense. On the rapture of the church, it's the only position that makes sense. And so if you want to believe something else, that's, I'm, not, I'm not here, I'm not the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to argue with you, but I will tell you this, God only has one position on everything. So when you say, are you mid-trib, pre, post, ah, preterism, this, all those positions cannot be right, yeah. mm-hmm. okay? If they are, God's confused. And the Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion. So then we ask the question, well, then who is? We know who is, Satan. Yeah. Satan is the author of confusion. He's the one, who, so why would he want to attack these positions, and by the way, which atti- position does he attack primarily? The so pre-trib position. Why? Because yeah. again, it goes to that urgency issue. If well, you I know, can another steal th- it, point that should I've be made it. is that uh, Daniel, for example, said, "Lord, I don't understand all these prophecies you're mm-hmm. giving me." The Lord said, "They will not be understood until the time comes for them yeah. to be understood." We're understanding prophecies today that have never been understood before because either uh, 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 historical events like the reestablishment of Israel or technological development. Totally. And, and Dave, I would add this. You know, uh, we don't believe in progressive revelation. We think that God has said everything that He wants to say to us in these 66 mm-hmm. books. But we do believe in progressive illumination. Oh, yes. uh-huh. And that's what Daniel's all about. When, he tells, when he's told in Daniel chapter 12, seal up the words of this scroll until the time of the end. And many shall go to and fro in their knowledge. And I would use that, that Hebrew word da'ath there can also be translated as understanding will be increased. And today, as we look back on so much history and, and events, we have the capability now of understanding things that previous generations could never understand. I'll give you one illustration. When your great-grandparents sat in their room reading Revelation chapter 13, verse 16 through 18, about a mark or a number mm-hmm. that everyone had to take, can you imagine there was no television. Mm-mm. They were they were listening on a radio if they had that. They were still going to the toilet outside. Yeah. We, and then all of a sudden, fast forward, we have this 
technological explosion that took place that has allowed us to hold in our hand in a in a little phone more power more com- computing yeah, power that used to exist in six and twelve and twenty four block buildings more and than so the forth. space uh, Ex- when they went yeah. up to the moon and so the no series. wonder today yeah. we have the ability to understand and comprehend things that previous generations never yeah. could never I think of back in uh, nineteen oh seven I believe it was when uh, Schofield was putting out his uh, Bible with mm-hmm. notes and from a pre trib viewpoint. And uh, when he got to Ezekiel 38 and 39, he talked about uh, this being a future invasion of Israel by Russia and certain allies. And uh, people said that was just insane. Mm-hmm. And, and if you stop and think about it, at that time, Russia was a Christian Orthodox nation, mm-hmm. and Israel did not exist. Mm-hmm. How is a Christian Orthodox nation going to invade a nation that doesn't even exist? Right. And his response to it was, I don't know, I cannot explain it, but the Bible says it, and therefore I believe it. In the end times, Russia will come down against Israel. Yeah. And, the yeah. day we <laughs> and they were under the czars, you know, <laughs> yeah. at that point in time. But what and would you say, Gary, then, is the strongest argument that supports the preacher rapture view? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that, that to me, it's very simplistic, and that is this. Again, I, I go back to Matthew 24. I don't want to get, I'm not going to get in the weeds on these issues with people. I have people who come to me and they want to argue. I'm not going to argue with this, about uh-huh. this at all. What I'm going to simply say is this. As far as I'm concerned, Jesus gave a command. Matthew 24, watch for my coming. Again, Matthew 25, 11, Matthew 25, 13. These are about the, the parables of the, of the wise and unwise virgins. Some were watching, some were not. Some were prepared, some were not. Bottom line is this. My responsibility is to get out of bed every day and realize that Christ might come today. Yes. There, and, and so I'm not watching for the Antichrist. I'm not looking for, as my friend Ed Hansen says, the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. <laughs> and uh, I'm not wasting my time trying to guess the time because nobody knows the time. So, and Jesus could come at any time, so I'm just going to be ready all the time. Amen. And the main Amen. reason for that is, and here's what's so, uh, one of the things I think is so often overlooked. The Bible teaches that our lives are but a vapor. Here one moment, gone the next. The truth is not a single one of us know whether or not we will see the sun go down today, let alone the sun come up tomorrow. Therefore, as a result of that, our responsibility is to live every day in light of the fact that it may be our last day. And so to want to argue over a pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib rapture really in, in many ways is a very foolish argument because the truth is we don't even know if we're going to be here for that event. It, <laughs> it could happen today, but so could our death. Yes. Because, our, again, our lives are but a vapor. Hebrews 9, 27, it's pointed a man wants to die. So we don't know. So I don't want to argue about this. What I'm going to say is, is that I'm going to get out of bed every day. I'm going to choose to walk with Christ today. I want to have a passion about this because when I believe that Christ may come today, I want to be a man of prayer. I want to be a man of personal holiness and godliness. And I want to share my faith actively because I will tell you that Jesus may come today. And if he doesn't come, this, there are people around me who may die. And so I want to make sure that they have the opportunity and they hear the gospel. That's the motivation Amen. we ought to have instead Amen. of trying to have what I consider to be uh, time-consuming arguments. But that said, I'm going to defend the fact that the Word of God teaches a pre-trib rapture. We have not been appointed unto wrath in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. There's a clear coming of Christ for His bride. We've not, we, he, he, he is not going to beat us up and put us through the tribulation. When I understand from reading the Word of God that the tribulation is about two things. One, it is about God finishing His business with unbelieving Israel. Yes. And 
Secondly, it is about God dealing with the Gentile nations with regard to their, uh, their, their uh, refusal to accept Christ, number one, and how they treat the Jewish people from Joel chapter 2. I don't find the church in that mix. I don't find the church anywhere in the mix uh, after Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 when John is told to come up here and I will show you the things which take place hereafter. Fifteen times the church appears in chapters 2 and 3 of the Revelation. It does not appear again until the 22nd chapter of the Revelation. It makes no real sense with sound, literal, biblical exegesis. I don't know how anyone can read this book and, and not get this. This is not complicated. God's no. not trying to be confusing. And, and clearly we have passages like 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 and following. And Paul talks about the sudden change that takes place at the coming of Christ. Paul writes again to the Thessalonian believers. And, and again, it's clear that Christ is going to call us up to meet him in the air and then take us to the Father's house. So there, a lot of this confusion is man-made, but I will tell you, it's satanically driven. The originator of it is Satan. Nathan, how about you? What, what uh, do you think is the most convincing argument in behalf of a pre-tribulation rapture? There's so many. See, which ones do you pick? I think that, Gary, you touched on a little bit about if the church is called the bride of Christ, Mm -hmm. then why would God let the bride of Christ be persecuted by the Antichrist, beheaded, tortured, and suffer under God's wrath? Now, we're not talking about the wrath of man. We live today, ISIS destroying Christians. There's persecution. There's persecution, Mm -hmm. no doubt. There's suffering, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But that Jesus Christ would beat up his bride and then rapture her at the end of the tribulation and have a wedding feast. We're all bloody and, you know, they're torn. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. And I'll tell you what you just touched on is so important also. And that is the fact that when you look at the, the you know, the church, as a, the body of Christ as a whole, the fact is, is that the tribulation, we have no function, no role, no purpose uh, no, in that. they and said why, the church say, needs well, the church to be needs there. To go persecution. Yeah. The church has gone through persecution oh, and will continue. Definitely. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. We have, but here's the difference. Uh-huh. That tribulation comes from Satan. That tribulation comes from, from the unbelieving sinful nature of people. But never are we the object of the wrath of God. back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion with uh, Dr. Gary Frazier. Dr. Frazier, it has been a blessing. You are a wealth of information. Well, thank you. Thank you, Nate. Can you tell folks how they can tap into that wealth of information Absolutely. on your website yeah. and get this book, It Could Happen Tomorrow? You can go to GaryFrazier.com or to DiscoveryMissions.org. Either one of those will get you this book, other information that's free. We have a lot of free PowerPoints and various other kinds Great. of ministries. Excellent. How about tell them how to get in touch with our ministry? They can check out Lamb and Lion Ministries by going to lamblion.com or ChristinProphecy.org. And folks, it's a very interactive website because Nathan is on there eight hours a day. Sometimes he's uh, debating with Mormons or debating with Hindus or Muslims or whatever, but he's also available to respond to your questions. And I hope you'll think up a very difficult one for him and send it in. Until uh, next week, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 